Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Do the dead have developing technology? What famous paranormal events would you like to have witnessed? How will artificial intelligence affect paranormal studies? Hello and welcome to the 998th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you on this rather warm day here from WON AM and FM Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben and that was Paul. And today we bring you an open line show with our wonderful, pervasive cousin, Rick Eno, to help us tackle your questions on different paranormal topics in high strangeness. And to join in, you can give us a call from anywhere. That's 401-766-1240. That's from anywhere. Or you can email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com or reach out to us via our Facebook page. So Rick returns to us via Skype today, uh, interested in all areas of the paranormal. He is a true Eno. Uh, he is a certified investigator for the Mer- Mutual UFO Network, also known as MUFON, and has been on our show, uh, shows Northern California, or has been our show's Northern California reporter for years at this point. Um, he lives with his lovely family in the San Francisco area. So Rick, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Oh, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. Oh, it's so, always wonderful to have you. Rick is a fellow descendant of uh, Nicholas Disborough, one of the founders of Hartford, Connecticut, and the experiencer of the first known poltergeist attack in the history of North America, uh, uh, to a European anyway. So it's in the genes, as they say. <laughs> so let's dive right in here. And if you would, this is uh, comes to us from Doug... From Texas. Mm, yes, and so Doug writes to us, um, are women more prone to paranormal experiences? I'm thinking specifically of psychic or uh, multiversal awareness. That's been lim- my limited observation that women seem to be more in tune with such phenomena. What say you? Well, uh, I guess I can start us off on that. Uh, I, I feel better than I sound lately. So uh, anyway... Um, I think women perhaps are, in my experience anyway, are more prone to be honest about their experiences uh, that may be uh, evening out these days. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, despite uh, current uh, political beliefs and manufactured crises, I think uh, women and men are better when they are unified and the experience, the whole human experience, it really embraces both uh, men and women. I think women are extremely sensitive and not afraid to talk about it mm. um, or to uh, are a little more open to it. We have had a number of cases where the women in the family have been more uh, attuned to what's going on than the men. Although the men, when you talk to them, will admit it. So, uh, Ben and then ben oh, Rick. Yeah, I mean, well, Rick, you're the guest here, Af- after you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Paul brought up something really important, I think, in the, the whole phenomenon, which is um, being open to it uh, and understanding yourself and your feelings. I, I think in uh, 
maybe our culture, but also just the differences between men and women. Women aren't afraid to investigate as much their feelings and, and question what they're feeling or what they're sensing. Whereas, you know, historically in the past, you know, the, the male mantra is put your head down and go forward. Um, now, that doesn't apply to everyone, of course, but I di- definitely have the same feeling. I, I sense in the world when it comes to spiritual guidance or uh, spiritual connections, you'll tend to hear about uh, more about women sensing it. Um, it doesn't mean that men don't, uh, but what it does mean is that to me is that um, there's going to be a receptivity and an understanding of it of yourself uh, in a different way, um, and, and that's how I explain it. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, my my wife will happily tell you that I can be very unobservant. Um, I'm I'm one of those one of those guys that opens the fridge and is like I, I can't find the ketchup and it's right in front of me and she 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 does this thing where she's like if she'll like ask me to grab something and I'm like she's like if you can't find it and I find it it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna be upset and nine times out of ten she finds what she asks me to find like instantly and so. My my wife will happily tell you that, and and it's 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 funny, but it's true. You know, men, we are just we're so concerned about like the the weirdest, most like niche things. Like I I I'll, I'll talk with a friend, right? I'll, I a buddy of mine came over last night, and we talked for like four hours. And you know his uh, you know we'll we'll be talking, and and my my wonderful wife will say, oh well, you know, how's his mom doing? And I'll say, well, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't really, we didn't really talk about that. It's like, okay, well, you know, what's going on with this? And it's like, uh, well, he told me this. And it's like, did you ask him more questions? No. What did you guys talk about for like four hours? And it's like, well, you know, we <laughs> we talked about a lot of things, <laughs> just nothing, no, nothing of import. And it, it's like, um, like uh, I think. <laughs> I think I heard someone say in a podcast once that that men like are are much like hobbits, and we we talk about a lot of things that don't really matter, and and we we get very interested in things that don't really matter. But you know, women can be very practical, but also very very you know you know intuitive in, in a lot of things. My my wife has pointed out on more than one occasion that you know she's a she's a very she goes she goes to church. She's very very devout and whatever. And she'll look around, and you know, she'll be like, you know, 90% of the participants here are women. And I think maybe it's, it's, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to make speculation because I'm a man. I don't, I know nothing, right? But I, I think it's, it's got something to do with just, you know, we, we, men's minds are, are a mystery, and we think about things that are, we think more than we actually do in a lot of, a lot of cases, I think. And I, I, you know, I think perhaps it is, it's. I guess it just depends on how you look at it, and I I suppose Perfect. it's it's sort of six and one half dozen in the other. Perhaps it is that you know maybe it's it's that women are more vocal about it, like Rick said, that they're more open to 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 sharing and 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 understanding and and being sort of more open with the environment around them, and men are more closed off. It could be that too. You know, there's a lot of lot of different factors that go into yeah. it, and it's and it's it's not an easy question to answer. That's for sure. Well, you know, Ben, here's something from this morning just to, to give you a, a, some color to it. Uh, wake up this morning after a very busy graduation day yesterday. So we're all tired. I wake up next to my wife. And um, she's immediately thinking through practically the budget, what's going on, uh, you know, it, with the budget and the family and how we're going to do these things we need to do in the future. 
I literally woke up, and the first thought of my mind was, why can't penguins fly? <laughs> that's, that's literally what I woke up to. And um, I thought about telling her that, but I, I, I didn't want to deal with what. But, um, but yeah, I mean, our brains just think differently. I know. I'm, I, I'll, I'll add on to that, and I won't belabor the point anymore. Um, I, I'll sometimes, you know, my wife and I will just sit there in silence, and I'll, I'll be, I'll kind of just be looking off into the distance, and she, she'll say, she, she says this a lot. She's like, you know, sometimes I wonder what you're thinking about, and like, you know, is he thinking about me? What's he thinking about? And then she'll ask, like, what are you thinking about? And I'll just say something like very out of left field, like, <laughs> like I think the other day she asked me, and I was just, I was like, you know. There's got to be a way to patch that hole that's that's like in our in our pavement there because there's water going into that basement. <laughs> she's like, that's not that's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> or it'll it'll be something like something odd that she just isn't expecting. But for us, it's like, yeah, you know, that's just that's just, that's just what you think, and it's you know, it's it's important. <laughs> well, that's maybe more than Doug needed to know, but uh, probably not. But you know, it's so, I don't know if that's helpful. It probably isn't. And expression, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, I think it comes down to how we perceive the world around us is very different. Yeah. So who's next there, Ben? Who's who's next? Um, <laughs> so we have we have Chelsea from Perth, Australia, um, who writes about the phenomena of the third man. Um, writing, have you ever heard of the the uh, third man phenomena? Uh, if so, do you believe it is real, and can you talk about it? Uh, sure. Uh, it's not too familiar. To most people, even people in the field, um, but I believe it's happened to me. Uh, basically, what it is is, uh, I mean, some people might consider it angelic. Uh, probably the the greatest example from history might be this Shackleton uh, uh, expedition to the South Pole in 1911. Hmm. Now you can imagine the technology in 1911, not very good for reaching the South Pole. Mm. However, uh, and they, they ran into some serious problems when their ship was encased in ice, and the people who survived had to hoof it, I believe there were three of them, uh, toward a whaling base uh, on the coast of Antarctica in order to, be, to survive. They felt that there was someone with them guiding them and getting them there um, without any further loss of life. That is the third man phenomenon. Although in this case, I think it was a fourth man, you know, because there were three people. Mm. In some cases, in survival situations, people have actually seen an extra person uh, in their party whom no one knew. Um, I, I find it rather inspiring particularly when in 1979, and I've written about this in Turning Home, uh, I was caught in an avalanche way up north, and uh, I felt, I I was under like eight feet of snow, I felt uh, a hand take my right hand and pull me up through all that snow, and the people I was with would jump on my dark truck trying to dig me out. And all of a sudden I popped up. Um, I felt it was very uh, benign, obviously. And uh, it was really quite quite the experience. Uh, whether you want to call it angelic 
or higher self or whatever, I consider that part of the third man phenomenon. Mm. Uh, one of the most inspiring as well would be uh, what happened during the Joplin, Missouri tornado of 1911. Now, I should say 2011. 2011 was the worst tornado tornado season in the U.S. since 1925. When this F5, EF5 hit Joplin, Missouri, uh, 157 people were killed. Uh, 75% of the town was wiped out. But later, particularly children who were in the path of the thing, and some adults reported having seen what became to be known as the butterfly people, uh, the humanoids with uh, glowing faces and multicolored wings. Now, we talk about this in our, our 2017 book, Behind the Paranormal 2, uh, Bigfoot, Monster, uh, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. And uh, these are hardly monsters, just the opposite. But we have a chapter on humanoids, and we didn't know where else to put it, so we put it in there. So um, I, I think these are all very uh, inspiring examples of the third man phenomenon. Hmm. Wow. What say you, Rick? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I the third man phenomenon, uh, just hearing it today and put it in that sense, um, uh, makes me think of things that ooh, I get. Uh, anecdotal reports on now um, and from the past and I'll give you those examples there's been examples around here not so much as as um, <clears throat> what Paul would say is a survival situation but um, people phasing kind of in and out they're in a group and then that person's gone or that person's not there, someone appears and in the next uh, instant that, that being is gone and I, I've had anecdotal reports of that in the community here. Nothing, nothing has hit the board on MUFON, which I'm kind of taking a break from right now anyways. Um, but I've heard that phenomenon. Yeah. But it's interesting to me to hear your story about the avalanche and what happened in 2011. It makes me wonder, you know, okay, if this is going on, what else, where else, when is this coming from? Like, yeah. where could it be, where could it be originating? Well, that happened to me in 1979, just for perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, someone was looking out for you. Yeah, well, that's you know that's what you end up with. You can analyze to death, you can uh, speculate, but in, in the end, I think you just have to be grateful for the experience. Yes, and respect it, and have. I'm very big on gratitude. Ben will tell you. Gratitude mm. and humility. So, Ben, what say you? Um, I mean, I, I don't really have much much else to add. I've never really had any experience with it myself that I know of. Um, hopefully I don't. <laughs> but but you never, you never Stay know. Stay safe, yeah. Right, exactly. You know, my life is very tame. It's not, I'm not out climbing mountains or anything. Well, so you're well. young yet, so who knows? <laughs> it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Um, well... Is there a guardian angel? You know, yeah, that, I mean, uh, that, that's a uh, pillar of belief among the Muslims. It's a, uh, something we learned really throughout the Catholic education. 
Uh, The Orthodox, certainly uh, very, very big on angels. There is a great awareness of what you could call supernatural beings uh, taking care of us. Also, at the other end, parasites, you know, preying upon our energy or whatever you want to call it. Mm. So there is a great awareness among really all belief systems, major belief systems, in uh, guardians or at least observers, watchers. Ah, yeah, no, I mean, I guess, I guess I fall, I fall into that, into that as well. Um, only, only because it's like uh, a lot of, a lot of things that I have managed to accomplish, I can't really attribute to myself because that's not really, I don't know, it's. It's I I found good influence of your father. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. My really, it's 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 all you, Dad. No, um, hardly. So I I yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's there's something something out there because it's like if I if I there there was something I, that that a, a really intelligent man from long ago once said, which is you know the the right thing to do is always really easy. We're the ones that make it hard. Mm. And and so it's so it's uh, you know you kind of get out of your own way and things kind of tend to work out. It's very uh, Wu Wei if you're familiar with okay, Taoism. Yeah, if yeah. You, if if you get get my meaning here. But I guess we can move on to the next sure. next question if we if we have no more no more points further. Uh, and this one's from Pat in our local listening area here uh, from Blackstone, Massachusetts. And Pat writes, uh, I listened uh, to a I listened to a number of paranormal shows and ghost hunters are always using technology. I know you guys are, are not so into that, but I remember a show many years ago where the guest uh, was asked about EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, uh, being on the AM frequency. And Paul asked the guy, does this mean the guy on the other side uh, has an AM transmitter? Uh, then time ran out and the, uh, the guy never answered. I also heard reports, including some on your show, that demons or parasites have used computers to communicate with people. Uh, of course, there are ghost boxes and other devices used uh, by ghost hunters, so are paranormal entities using our own technology, and is it for us or against us? Well, that, that's a broad question and a good one. Ben, you studied uh, stuff like AM signals, I mean, what? Well, yeah, kinda. I mean, my my degree was mostly for for like you know sound design and all that, but I, I do know enough about the physics of it to be able to answer it confident confidently. Um, because our very own station manager came down after the show and he sat with us, and Dave Richards sat across from me right here, and he said, "Well, <laughs> that guy doesn't know what he's talking about." Every time I talk to Dave, I learn something. <laughs> yeah, me too. And, and Dave was like, "Well, what we're doing right now is is AM." AM transmitting because it's you know um, I think it was jeez uh, I'm trying to remember I don't want to say it's audio modulation but it's um, amplitude, modu- amplitude modulation there we go I don't know why I said audio amplitude <coughs> modulation there we go I just took out my cre- my credentials so <laughs> which is essentially you know you're disturbing the air molecules around you in order to create sound and so we're we're you know using using our vocal cords to create amplitude modulation. And so, you know, it's not necessarily an AM, you know, it's, we're not, they're not, they don't necessarily have transmitters, but what they're doing is they're disturbing the air molecules around them in order to create sound. And so, because ghosts technically are not physical in a sense, therefore they do not have vocal cords, right? You know, it would be the argument, how are they disturbing the air molecules? And so the, the sort of next step would say, well, somehow, 
you know, we could probably make the argument that electromagnetics is is disturbing the air molecules, and because it always comes across as quote unquote whispers, right? You know, you you don't have someone you know boisterously going whoa most of the time. You usually get huh, coming through on on things. And I, I remember uh, there was a, a little YouTube video I watched that made a that kind of this guy that was doing a ghost hunt made a made a really funny joke because he was a he was a uh, what's the word? He was a skeptic and he was getting brought along. And he was with this guy that was like a true believer or whatever. He was like, yeah, you know, someone on the other side, they came back and they said, I have something really important I have to say. And they, they're like, I have to say it. I have to tell them. And then he goes, they go up to the mic and they go, huh. very important. <laughs> I was like, that's a very, that's a very good point because it's, it's like, you know, what, what's the point of that? You know, I mean, sometimes you hear people like screaming and such and you get that on, 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 you know, phenomena. But if you're going around asking questions or whatever, using ghost boxes, which are basically broken radios, it's yeah. it's um I've I've had to kind of make the point that it's like well you know you can kind of have pareidolia with it but you know with audio phenomena where you kind of like make up meanings for things and you hear what you want to hear or you know there's sometimes legitimate things that kind of come across and really the the sort of big thing on the the amplitude modulation point is you know the question isn't you know do they have AM transmitters the question is how are they disturbing the air molecules in order to create this. <laughs> That's kind of the big question, and you know, if we're talking about you know, these entities messing around with you know computers or TVs, you know, whatever through static, etc., it's like, well, obviously there's something that's electrical going on. It's not necessarily you know, ooh, they're using their ghostly powers to infest your television, you know, like the like you know seven days yeah. style or whatever. It's it's you know it's probably something electromagnetic if we're going to be like purely scientific about it. Well, if our theories are yeah. are correct, uh, you're not dealing with dead people. You're dealing with perfectly physical people in parallel worlds. They're intersecting or overwashing our own, and that explains the physicality of it. As an example, uh, the center of the Litchfield Triangle case in Connecticut that we've been working on for good grief, over 20 years, um, almost 20 years, we have um, EVPs that include the sounds of a general store operating in the 1700s. And the place was a general store in the 1700s and still is in certain parallel worlds where it's still the 1700s. Uh, that, that's our, that, those are our theories. Um, and they're backed up, I think, by phenomena like that. So it's not just voices, it's physical activity. Uh, when we were in the Pomfret, Connecticut case, 1970-1972, you'd go in there and you'd hear the sounds of daily life, including objects, farm implements, wagon wheels, and uh, that sort of thing, which is the first inkling I ever got that we're not dealing with dead people, we're dealing with time and space, which yeah. I think is far more interesting. Uh, Rick, why don't you jump in here? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I think you nailed it. We're kind of, when you when you hear reports of that, um, usually, uh, I mean, what I give my perspective on is you're picking up what's happening in their world, just as you said. It, it's not that they're trying to control. It's not that they even necessarily have a radio or a, uh, a transmitter. It's 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 how that universe works, and that's what we are getting a glimpse of. 
so when when people you know oh I heard this on the radio and they think it's a direct message to them or something like that mm. probably not probably it's your we're picking up their wavelength long long amplitude or or their frequency and we're kind of eavesdropping on a conversation that we necessarily don't even understand but that that's my take on it in most cases I, I very rarely uh, come across um, people who felt they were being directly trying to be communicated across a, um, through a radio or so forth. I, I have had people tell me that uh, when they, and I'm not a supporter of this, but when they do seances, you know, they get messages and so forth, which is a completely different category. And I, I, don't, I don't feel that's necessarily it either. I, I think you're eavesdropping, and God help you if, you know, a parasite finds out you're there, and, and then you're going to have some problems. But, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's another dimension to this if we wanna if we wanna take take another look at it, and if we if we shift ever so slightly, we can see that um, technology has always been used in the broadest sense to interact with the unknown, right? And so by this I mean like pretty much anything we've sort of invented over you know the millennia to be able to interact with the unknown, whether it's you know altars, instruments, you know idols. Bells, right? All of these bells were initially made. You, you, this is this is a fun fact I learned forever ago when I was a kid. The reason that bells are on churches was to keep spirits away. That yeah. was that <laughs> was that was the reason well, that demons particularly. demons particularly. That was like the whole point of having bells. Now that like you don't really see them on on most churches nowadays, but like you know in more modern senses. But if you ever go to like Europe or anything like that or any sort of like old-time, quote-unquote, traditional places, you'll find that there's bells and stuff. And the reason that they have bells is, is for that, that particular thing, you know? It's like um, like singing bowls, right? Same, same, sort of, same difference, you know, ever so slightly different spirituality, but it's the same, the same thing. And we've, we've always kind of used these, these tools to interact with the world around us. Now we have, you know, broken radios called spirit boxes, <laughs> and we have, you know, EMF meters and all these things, and it's like the phenomenon is still interacting with it. You know, right. it's like, it's not analog like it used to be, you know, a couple centuries ago, but the reason that we have these things was was to interact with the unknown. So so in the broadest sense, these things have always kind of been around, you know, and I, I think if we're, if we're going to, you know, play with that idea... Of yeah. well, you know, this stuff's always been there, right? It's it's the same deal, just with you know much less wires and electricity. Well, it's time for our mid-show break already. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Meg and Rick Eno today on WON 12:40 AM, 99.5 FM in New England's kind of hot Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back, so stick with us. Attention bike riders, the premier event of this young season is being organized for June 3rd. It's the first annual Veterans Charity Motorcycle Run brought to you by New Englanders Helping Our Veterans in collaboration with the Elks Riders of Elks Lodge number 2136 in Franklin. The ride starts and ends at the Franklin Elks Lodge and travels through Rhode Island as well. Food will be served upon return and beverages will be available. Only $25 per operator, $10 per rider. To sign up, email treasurer at nehov.org. That's treasurer at n-e-h-o-v dot org. All are welcome. Local and live at 99.5 FM. 
Okay, and welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON AM and FM. And we're doing an open line show today with our uh, guest co-host and wonderful cousin, one of our bestest cousins, uh, Rick Eno. And um, we wanted to say Happy Memorial Day to everyone in the U.S. Uh, we went around yesterday visiting ancestral graves in New England here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very important, particularly, uh, it's really all about remembering our, our um, those who gave everything for the sake of our country. Um, the, the, that must never, ever be forgotten. Mm. So God bless them. So, Ben, uh, why don't we take an email from, I guess it's uh, It's Mark. Mark, Yes, in uh, in Devon. Devon via West Sussex, England. So, Mm. Ah, yes, we are very familiar. So, so Mark writes to us, Hi, Ben and Paul. Congratulations uh, in advance on your upcoming Landmark 1000th show. I know, it's... Two weeks. (laughs) Yes, it's it's coming up fast. Time flies when you're having fun. Yes, yes it does, because we're already halfway through the show. Uh, so the so he continues to say the seed of this question came to me after listening to a past show in which you, uh, was mentioned a particular UFO encounter that was comical. Uh, uh, such was its bizarreness. Uh, it's it involved a gray, a Bigfoot, and a lizard alien, and they walked into a bar. Now I'm I'm just oh. kidding. Um, <laughs> or or some similar variation as as was alluded to on the show. It was almost as if every possible. Uh, the base was covered for the paranormal enthusiast, all in one convenient sighting. Very true. So my question for yourself and the guest is this. Uh, what paranormal event, uh, encounter, or experience over the last 150 years would you like to have witnessed personally? And your answer is being from the point of view of said event, having the potential to collaborate your belief system or drastically change it. Well, I guess I'll start. Um, all of them... I'd like to have seen, you know, seen all of them. Uh, I have people all the time who say they wish they were at the Bridgeport poltergeist case of 1974. I was there, and it did change my belief system because of the physical interaction I had with what at the time we called demons and now we call parasites. That really radically had to change my belief system because... Um, it, it just didn't seem like what the theology or the paranormal thought said it was. I would love to have been at Rendlesham Forest. Uh, we were there, but, you know, 30 years or 40 after the case in December 1980. Um, sir, I, I have to say it's difficult to choose. I'd like to have seen all of them. Mm. Uh, what say you, Rick? Well, from your adventures, clearly Bridgeport would be like the starting point because I think that not only from a personal standpoint, but from a world perspective, changed a lot of people's understanding of what this phenomenon is from a very grassroots level in Connecticut down to the police and so forth. So that would probably be the first. The probably the second one would be the Flatwoods Monster. Oh um, yeah, what that is a fascinating yeah. long. Absolutely. Uh, experience and involving multiple UFOs and landings and crashes, um, all within like a two day period. Um, that, uh, I would, would have loved him. Well, a, li- a little tricky since even I wasn't born yet. Yeah, yeah. You know? I would have to, tr- I would have to 
change the elsewhere else when. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I would love to have seen that. Oh, yeah. If I had to take a swing at it, it's it's a tie between two things. One of them is not necessarily paranormal, but I think the implications are paranormal. Um, definitely the, the Mothman incident uh, at Point Pleasant, West Virginia. That's 100% top of the list. Um, at, at, I'm sorry, three things. So we'll, that's definitely top of the list. Tied for second, definitely anything related to the Loch Ness Monster. That's that's like a big, it's a big, has a nice, oh, yeah. Nessie has a nice home in my heart, always has. Ever since you were born. Oh yeah, yeah, I had I had books and everything, and it was, yeah. that was, that that just hold, holds a special place in my heart. And then, in tied for a second, would be um, the uncovering of Gobekli Tepe. Oh not, wow. Not necessarily paranormal, in, in a sense, but I, 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 I'm so fascinated by it, because it, it completely ruins a lot of, anthropological and like historical ideas for how civilizations were built um and i i i sound i sound like a like a clickbait article by saying that but really the it's it's interesting because i heard someone point this out in a in a lecture i listened to once that was like it's really fascinating because if you look at its location there's no running water anywhere there's no forests. It's just it's barren. There's nothing there, and there's no evidence to suggest that there was anything there before. It was just this site. So there had to be this like this this civilization built up around it in the middle of nowhere for some reason. And the only usually it's like the the typical historical response from an archaeologist or an anthropologist is, well, you know, it was survival. And then, kind of spirituality was was tacked on at the end. Like, well, you know, it was everything was met. It's I think it probably comes down from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I would probably venture to guess, which is essentially this pyramid of like you cover your basic needs like food, water, shelter, and then once you get that and you have like some sort of sense of security, then you can contemplate higher things, which makes sense practically. But the interesting thing is, it almost seems like the opposite. Something happened there that made these Neolithic people want to build, like, a, a, a place to, to worship something. And it, it makes you wonder, what could have happened there hmm. that, 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 would, that would cause people to basically go into the middle of nowhere <laughs> with no food provisions, water, nothing, and create a supply chain to get something there so that they could exist. It's, it's super yeah. interesting. Well, I think Mark makes a particularly important point at the end where he uh, he says you know did this or w- would this affirm your belief system or destroy it and uh, I think it is worth extending that to the point of research are we conducting research to confirm our biases or are we willing to be open-minded enough mm. to um, do what science is supposed to do. Uh, and, that, and that's admit new possibilities and explore new areas. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I like agree. to think the latter is the case. You, you know, Paul, Rick? I was I was going to say to what Ben was saying, uh, and to close that that question, how he closed his question is, um, Gobekli Tepe, uh, Tepe, excuse me, gave me it made me feel like we're actually behind in technology and social development. Huh. And let me explain why. Um, it, it, In my opinion, it shatters the historical views of the world 
uh, to that point by the uh, given by the academics because of what uh, Ben just mentioned was found there. And it also, one of the arguments I heard, I was engaged in a conversation about Gobekli Tepe, and they're like, well, everything was stone and everything was... And I said, yeah, but if you have the technology just to develop something, you're not building it, you're not shaping it, you're not, you can just form it, right? So you're just forming this city out of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, and you can supply it just because of the technology you have. You would build everything out of stone or something simple because you wouldn't need ornate housing structures or things like that because you can go and do wherever, whatever you want to do, anywhere you want to do. So my 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 opinion, and, and to close that, uh, Gobekli Tepe, Tepe absolutely changed my view of the world and, and, and really made me understand we really are behind technologically and socially. That's amazing. Yeah, I really respect that. Um, you know, I've often asked the question, uh, particularly Ben's mom, when I walk in and Ben's mom is watching Ancient Alien, you know, <laughs> well, why would um, they come a zillion light years or across world boundaries or however they got here if they did? Uh, to make stuff out of rocks. But the thing is, rocks last. Uh, what will be left in 10,000 years of our own cities? You know, even, even the ones made of steel. You know. Nothing. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't, like, it's like, um, the particular cement that Romans used, it's called, uh, Portland cement. Yeah. And they, they used this very particular kind <sighs> because it was so, it, it was so strong. And like yeah, that's why their columns are still standing today. It's yeah. like you know, and you drive down the street and the bridge is collapsing. You know, everything yeah, is really right. only built to last like fifty years. Rick has a point. And so it's like and like asphalt, right? Asphalt washes away, and it's like and it's really it's really only a byproduct of um, fossil fuels, and yeah. it it doesn't last very long. You know, I mean, I can tell you about my driveway and also in my garage. And it's it does it doesn't last super long. Yeah, but problems with that since you bought the house. Well, I think it's just because they didn't do stepped footings, but this isn't a show about construction, so we're, right, right, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. Okay. But so can you imagine that? how beautiful those cities were? Yeah. <clears throat> Probably breathtaking. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's funny. That's why I, I, always, I always come up with the argument that, like, you know, like, oh, well, you know... <laughs> It's uh, it, you know, they were you know, our ancestors were just dumb. They didn't know anything, and it's like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> they wouldn't have survived. No, it's like, you know, they wouldn't have built massive empires or like, you know, done all these things if they were stupid. It's like, arguably, you know, we're we're the dumb ones. You know, we're we're creating all these things that kind of do all the work for us, and it's like, it's like, uh, I think. Ironically, the Disney movie Wall-E kind of put the put the nail on yeah. the head there. If anybody's ever seen it, it's very very tongue in cheek that it's like you know we uh, humans got so dumb and just like got so lazy they just got really they evolved to just be really fat and just want you know, float around and all that and like <laughs> and so you know they they built all these robots to kind of do all the all the stuff for them and and it's like yeah then they just trashed the earth and so here we are. And so it's like it's it's the same sort of thing. So I think at some point, you know, it's like the whole argument over AI and all that. That's that's I think that's a question that comes up at some point in time. Oh yeah, that, I think there's a question about that. Yeah, exactly. And we can we could probably take that now if we really wanted to. Um, ah, there it is. Uh, and this is Matt from Limerick, Limerick, Ireland, who writes: We all see uh, news about artificial intelligence, and I wonder what you think uh, what this will do for or to paranormal research. 
Yeah, good question. It is a good question. I'll throw that one right at you, Rick. <laughs> Chat GPT, right? Um, well, you know, the, the, the foundations for AI, um, it's just basically learning and uh, is what they take up every they, Chat GPT has the ability to even interpret, in a sense, uh, the information that's out there in the world. It can write you <clears throat> an essay, a beautifully written essay, which is also sad because that would mean we'd lose a further skill and able to be actual good orators and create things ourselves, but it actually can. Um, the question is, is chat, is something like AI going to change the world? It, it definitely has already, and it will continue to. It depends on how far we're going to let it. Um, do I think it's a danger? Uh, I don't think it's as much of a danger to like just advancement, um, uh, if that's what I call it. But I think it's a danger to your humanity because you will stop using skills uh, that will define you as today's modern human. And I'm—I mean, you can look at some simple things right now in our population that's going on. Most children who attend public schools right now can't write cursive. They can't. It's lost for them. Um, and you can, you can, you can replicate that in other skill sets. And, you know, I, I bet you this year alone, probably for several years, a lot of the schoolwork that's being done is being done by AI because kids know how to use it. And as they become more comfortable, it's easier to do that. There's a decline. And, you know, Ben's point about, you know, Wally with the people got really fat and were in hover chairs doing nothing. You can see it headed that way. So the question is, what's going to keep you bound to your humanity? Because AI could definitely take you there. Like what, for me, it's faith. You know, I, I, I really believe in God and Jesus Christ and it, it anchors me to want to hold on to these things that make me me and keep me the person who has to create it, the person who has to move forward, or the person who has to think about it. Um, with AI, there's a lot of shortcuts, and it's it's so tempting, but it's mechanical. It's 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 you know it's computer, it's digital, it's everything that, in in my opinion, just um, goes against the grain of being a human. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Uh, when it comes to a direct uh, connection with the paranormal. Uh, and, and I spent half a Friday looking for this, and I couldn't find it. it was an email or a text or something, because I get hundreds of those a day. But it was a person who said that they had taken the idea of an energy parasite, very similar to what we talk about, and they submitted it to chat GPT and asked what would such a creature be like. And they sent me this response that the AI had uh, composed is like something out of one of our books right down the line point by point. And whether it probably it, was out of your book. Yeah, it could very well. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there isn't too much written about that. But uh, I was astounded. You know, and, and I, I was going to read it on there, but I just couldn't find it. Yeah, but, but Paul, like, the research you've done that you put out there, that's what Chuck... GPT is pulling from, so it's not like putting oh, it together thing, right? So the the, the in, in which brings up the point which I should have finished on, the tools of an investigator, your tools, your research, you know, 
this person just plugged it in a chat GPT and, and boom, it, it created this thing. It took decades of work to do that. And, and that is, in, I guess, in my opinion, a danger to the investigation of the paranormal and the connection to the paranormal. Because when everything becomes simple, you just don't do it anymore. Mm, it's Tip- true. Yeah, that, that scares me. But speaking as a professional editor, um, I would be curious to see whether somebody, whether somebody could fool me uh, with an AI-composed story or essay as opposed to one that they had written themselves because there is a, everyone has a unique style, you know, and you can, now they could probably mimic that. And uh, matter of fact, if I can talk by then, uh, our lecture in the fall is going to be about mimics, mm. and we'll have to bring that in. So uh, yeah, you don't know that yet. But no, that's, but that's that's an interesting idea. That's a subject as artificial intelligence as a mimic, sort of yeah. a, a man-made yeah. version of that. Huh? That's something I'm going to be contemplating for a bit. Well, we have. Uh, well, we have a really interesting. So we a few weeks ago, um, actually probably a couple a couple months ago at this point, we had Dr. Jeffrey Kripal of Rice University on our show, and this question came up. Mm. And his his whole whole thing, he was talking about. Um, sort of like the humanities in the paranormal. And, like, there's a very important portion of, of spirituality, which is kind of like he described as, like, a spark, mm. almost, yeah, where there's that, that spark of, like, inspiration or, or something spiritual. He was like he was saying that pretty much any sort of major advancement ultimately had a spiritual component to it, whether it was, like, Einstein or, or uh, you know, yeah. Socrates or somebody, right? It, there was always this, this spiritual spark to it. And he was like, he's like, artificial intelligence can't do that because it's it's not it's not human. Yeah, you know, there's no. Yeah, and it was it was it was super interesting because I'd never thought of that, and I was like, oh, because that adds an extra dimension to it. You know, Ben, that's really interesting you say that because uh, when I look at where we're going as a, as as a as humans, um, I see a war going on for minds, a war where uh, one part is headed towards the technology, the GP ta- chats, the being plugged in all the time, and sort of the physical world, the, and I will say the ease and hedonistic things that are easy in this world, right? Mm. And then I see another side, which is hanging on to the spirituality piece, the individual piece, the piece that makes you you, and achieving the same abilities to communicate through spiritual means versus the abilities to communicate through mechanical or, you know, these computer means. So it's the t- two separate ways of sort of achieving the same um, the same thing. I can speak to you with my mind at some point. I can pick you up on the phone or I'm plugged in and then I have the mechanical side. So you have these two sides. And really it's going to be a choice. And when I look at that choice... You know, I, I'm clearly on the side of spirituality. I think that that is the way to accomplish what we need to do, the side of light. And I really believe that the side with AI um, and these other means of being plugged in all the time is more of a side, if you want to say, darkness. Mm. Because that's bound to this earth. That's bound to physical. You're not getting out of it, and you're going to have to make a choice. Whereas the spiritual side, the light side, that's timeless and boundless. And... That's the side I choose. Wow. 
I'm going to send you an article I think you'll probably really like that talks about something very similar, and we can discuss it at a different point in time. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we have time for another question? That we do. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, do, 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 do. Let's see if we can find something relatively simple. Um, oh, this is actually kind of interesting. This kind of steers along the same sort of uh, realm of thought that we are currently in. Um, so this is from Chef from We Don't Know Where. I think, why do I think he's from Israel? Possible. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but he writes, uh, what's the best techniques for keeping your sanity and staying grounded when researching the vast amounts of topics and research in the realm of the paranormal? I had to stop because I was uh, taking in so much information, I felt like I was losing my mind. But at the same time, the hunger and desire to learn never leaves. Any response would be appreciated. Well, had he asked, uh, worded that differently and said, um, you know, how do you keep from being overwhelmed when you're out ghost hunting? I would say don't do it in the first place. But he's talking about seeking information, which is an honorable thing to do. Truly. Um, I would say, you know, I I, I don't know. I I came up, it took me so many decades to come up in this uh, field, if I've come up at all. Uh, And the information was very... um, slow to come in those days. Uh, not a lot was known, and I was able to um, absorb it kind of as it developed, you know, the quantum uh, mechanics approach, things of that kind. And um, I think that was uh, a little easier for me. But today, there are so many ideas out there, so many different cases. The uh, bombardment of information is really uh, quite... Um, Quite remarkable. Uh, do we have a caller? We do. Okay. All right. Paul? Yes. Uh, yes, I hear, I hear you uh, guys all the time with yourself, and um, you're talking all, a lot about uh, Gobeki Tempe. Gobeki Tepe, yeah. Right, and um, if that's fascinating... What about um, non-Madal? I mean, that has to, like, just be the the ultimate mystery. Yeah, anything that pushes back the timeline of human development is really fascinating. And it flies yeah. in the face of archaeology, and they can't deny it. So mm-hmm. uh, you, you fellas have a comments on that? Uh, I don't know a ton about it, unfortunately. I'm not familiar, actually. Is that in South America? Um, No, that's uh, South Pacific, I believe. Oh, okay. I'm not that familiar with it either. It's an entire island built out of basalt uh, stone. Oh, I got you. Which is absolutely ridiculous because of where it came from. Yeah. It makes no sense at all. Where did it come from? Oh, miles and miles over over small mountains and uh, vast waterways and everything else to build that on the shore. This comes... And um, it's something that people could not have really done. Yeah. Uh, this comes up a lot on the show. Um, the question is um, how... Could these things be accomplished? You have 
Well, examples they say all they the were world. transported uh, uh, magnetically, and even to this day, people go out and they test the, the stones, which it's built out of, and they're highly magnetic. Okay. In fact, their test equipment stops working when they go up close to test them. We'll have to look into that more fully. Um, yeah. There are uh, methods of moving things that are only just being developed and that are based on sound, right, know, right. sonic technology. Yeah. So there are ways to do that. And, and again, we, we kind of embrace the cyclical theory of history that it hasn't been right, you know, a straight line from the, the cavemen all the way up to today, that yeah, it's happened several times. Way before that. Yeah, because you yeah, get a million years before. of empty history. Right, yeah, but so. what I'm saying is um, I don't believe that all of this was done by just, you know, normal people. Yeah, like, well, you may be been. right. It yeah, couldn't have yeah. been. question yeah. is, are there any normal people? <laughs> that, that's, uh, no, I'm not yeah. one. Well, well, thank you very much. Um, we're yeah. out of time, unfortunately, but you know, call in any time. It's a good thing, and I think we're going to look into that. And thank you for the info. Okay, yeah, that's a real good subject. It is. Thank you again. Uh, okay. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Let's uh, go to our announcements. Sure thing. Okie dokie, artichokies. Um, we're going to start off with in two weeks. That's on June 11th. Uh, we will be celebrating our 15 years on the air. On uh, what was also happens to be our 1,000th numbered broadcast. Uh, this will be a two-hour roundtable on ultimate questions with Dr. Jeffrey Kripal of Rice University, who I mentioned earlier, groundbreaking UFO researcher Kathleen Martin, author and lecturer, scientist and experiencer Matthew Moniz, and renowned British consciousness researcher Anthony Peake. Uh, the show will begin on, uh, that, that's at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. UK, and run for two hours. And we will take questions via Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, look for us at the Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend and September 2nd and 3rd. We plan to do our traditional, traditional show from there with a live audience on September 3rd. And uh, you can also, oh, I'm sorry, Rick, that's all okay. you. <laughs> You can visit our show website at BehindTheParanormal.com where you can find nearly 1,200 hours of regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on Wound AM and FM. Also hear many of these broadcasts on the major podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And uh, check out our uh, free app right on the main page at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, it's free, and you're welcome to uh, download it. And uh, our show website has a charity page you can check out. There's a few, several good causes that we've adopted over the years, and uh, you can check out all of them there. That's BehindTheParanormal.com. What do we have next week, Ben? So on uh, June 4th, we'll welcome Jill Shelley of Minnesota-based St. Croix Paranormal Group to talk about what ghosts are. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, we'll leave you today with a cute quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, of all people. Tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift, that's why it's called the present. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And I'm Rick Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of 
Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.